0: Welcome to episode 10 of The Prop Shop. I am your host, Bobby Stanley, also known as Prop Holiday on social media and uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, and obviously on YouTube. Now, we always have our sponsor. Our sponsor is Eric LeGrand, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Raise a glass to giving back. Every purchase of Eric LeGrand's premier Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey directly supports community members living with paralysis. Our whiskey is made with choice, heart uh, heartland-grown corn, limestone-purified water, and the freshest rye and barley available. When you pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrand bourbon, we make a donation to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, so you enjoy the finest bourbon around, and you also lend a helping hand. Pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrand Premium Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey today, and cheers to a cause. Please enjoy responsibly. Produced uh, produced by LeGrand Spirits, distilled in Owensboro, Kentucky, bottled in Bardstown, Kentucky, and 88 proof by volume. Now, normally I open up with my opening monologue, a, a key topic or, or something that's on my mind in the sports world. Uh, the topic I want to talk today, talk about today is NBA MVP, but because of our guest today, it, I'd be doing myself a disservice uh, if I did not in- include her on the discussion. So without further ado, uh, Gambling Twitter's own, FanDuel Sportsbook's own, one of the better sports betting content creators we have out there, Live Moods, everybody. Hello thank you so much for doing the show greatly appreciate i know you are a very busy woman
1: no it's okay i've got a little bit of extra free time lately so i'm glad you uh took advantage of it i'm happy to be here
0: how's everything going what do you got going on right now
1: everything is good um i'm sure most people saw online that i am no longer with the volume at the moment um that happened i want to say two three weeks ago Uh, It was not something that I had planned for. It was a very Mm -hmm. shocking call to receive as I had just re-signed with them for another additional year. So Mm -hmm. we were seven weeks into the NFL season. I kind of thought that that's what I was going to be doing for – the remainder of the season. Uh, so obviously, when life throws you lemons, you make lemonade, and so that's what we're trying to do. And the content won't slow down. We've continued to just do uh, Fanduel Sportsbook content, obviously giving out NBA picks and NFL picks, as well as just creating fun, exciting, hopefully entertaining content uh, on my own for now. I've had a lot of great meetings and interviews with companies, and not just trying to figure out what is next for live Moots, yeah. So we're just kind of in that process right now.
0: And at the very least, it's, it's awesome experience. It's, you know, it's, it's totally. Colin Coward. It's all the people that came with that. So I actually remember when I met you in person, I don't know if you remember this, it was two years ago. It was yep. super bowl, Santa Monica. Bowl, you were yep. with, you were with joy Taylor. So we yep. were at Santa Monica promenade. I was out there covering the super bowl for dimers at the time. And I saw you out there and I went, I don't know if she's going to know who the hell I am. And my wife was like, we, we, we made the trip to California. You're not going to get yep. this far away from somebody who you've spoke with, you know, through Twitter, DM, right, whatever. Right. So I went up, and you did. I was like, "Do you do you know the name Prop Holiday?" And you're, "Oh shit, I remember you." So yep. not only <laughs> was Lives a live a genuine person, she was cool enough Thank to try you. to get me and my wife into the Fanduel party, which was easily the cooler of the two parties that weekend. I ended up at DraftKings, which Obviously, FanDuel was the, that was the big one. That was, if you yeah, were anywhere, you were at the fun. FanDuel part of it. I went to the DraftKings one. Uh, I was shoulder to shoulder with Debo Samuel. The dude he's is, so awesome. I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm 5'11", 205. So seeing another guy, 5'11", 205, except he's 10% body fat and I'm not. Right. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, insane yeah. at the very least. But the best totally. part of that is you you—you were cool as shit. You were genuine. and. Thank um, you. There's not enough of that, especially in in sports entertainment. So I would say thank you for that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you're so right. I mean, there are, I have met some people that I have followed in the space. I have watched on TV. I have watched on social media and there really is nothing more, um, sad than meeting someone you've looked up to or respected in such a large regard. And then they are not the person that you thought that they were, or they don't make 10 seconds of their time for you to have a conversation or whatever it is. And I've, I've had those moments before and it you really walk away feeling like, God, that sucked. Like I put this person so high up and then you meet them in person and it's just not the same. So I'm glad that you had a great interaction with me. I really do try. That's, that's, I think what my brand something that I even, even now having new conversations with people looking for my next job opportunity, I am not wavering on the fact that whatever I decide to do next, I don't want to have to change who I am. I want to be able to remain authentic. I want to be able to roast, uh, you know, fan bases if I need to, because that's just who I am. That's how I am in real life. I'm very sarcastic. I have a really great sense of humor. So I I think that being authentic is kind of my, you know, my edge, I I would say in this industry, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I'm not afraid to take ownership for a bad hot take or a bad bet. And so I think authenticity is few and far between, which is sad, but uh, if you can have that in this space, I think that's what sets people apart. Um, just being able to remain authentic so that then when you meet people in real life, they're like, oh, she's just as cool as she is on Twitter or on Instagram. You know, that's kind of yeah. who I am as a person. So I'm glad that you felt that way. I, I I think that was a that was a fun Super Bowl. The FanDuel party was super fun. That was just a oh. I mean, when you're in California, you know, it's like
0: yeah.
1: y- you're you're having a good time for sure.
0: No, it was it it was awesome. And you you mentioned you touched on fandom, you got the nuggets banner in the back. Yeah. Your your rise has been, I would say what the last two years really you're you're really pushing this in the right direction. And it just happened to be a sheer coincidence that as a TCU horn frog alum, yeah, as a Colorado yep. native, yep. you get to watch a national championship and an NBA finals. And yep. I'm sure people online are thinking, "Who's this girl? She's probably a front runner." No, it's just a coincidence. You really are these it really fans, is.
1: Yeah. and they're
0: having this this type of success. So, it it's a great time to be live moods as a as a Denver Nuggets fan. I would say <laughs>
1: it is. No, it totally is, and it's so funny because I had just started my own standalone show with the volume in the spring, in this most recent spring. And so I I typically was just going, I had a partnered show with Alex Monaco. We did like a gambling show together, but I didn't have my own show. And so when we started my own show, it was right around the time that the nuggets were like really popping off. And so of course, you know, cue the trolls that are like, Oh, she's just a bandwagon fan. Nuggets fans don't even exist. I'm like, we've been here. It just so happens that, you know, the timing really was perfect. And like you said, the TCU, and here's the thing. The trolls love to say, well, how was that national championship? It was horrible. I know how it was. But to be able to be along for the ride with your alma mater, and it was such a Cinderella story. Nobody had TCU on their radar before that season started. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it really did work out so perfectly that I was kind of in the thick of creating content, continuing to build my brand. And that's that's a piece of advice that I would offer anybody in this space that wants to do content or wants to work for a company and, and, and talk about sports and betting and whatever else is, um, even when you work for a big company, I mean, I was working underneath Colin Coward, who's arguably one of the most, um, well-known figures in the media space, in the sports media space. But I still continue to push my own personal brand, even working with a guy like Colin Coward or working under a mm. fan duel. Uh, and I think that's really important. And so not only was I talking about every NFL team, every NBA team, and even touching on some college football, but then when you can mm. find your lane of I'm also a Nuggets fan, I'm also a TCU fan and kind of make it a little yeah. more personal, then you're really building your personal brand rather than just building the the company that you're working for. So that is something that, yeah, it worked out absolutely perfectly. And I totally took advantage of the fact that, you know, the nuggets made history and I've been a fan my whole life. And, uh, it was, it was fun because I gained a lot of attention from other nuggets fans who are like, nobody talks about our team. This is great. You know, we finally have somebody. And when I was with the volume, most, I would say 85% of the volume, they are all diehard Lakers fans. So it worked out perfectly that all of their shows and episodes were Lakers, this Lakers, that Anthony Davis, this LeBron James, that, and then the sweep happens and I'm like, Oh, hell yeah. Let's let's now it's time to like totally, you know, tackle the Denver nugget side of things. And so, yeah, it was like perfect. I couldn't, and the year before, tcu the abs won the stanley cup so it's just been like this whole series of really successful teams that i'm a part of which is freaking awesome so
0: yeah no you can't really plan it any better as someone getting into sports and then that that's your bread and butter you talked about the nuggets i want to talk about the nba MVP discussion we cannot talk about it without talking about your boy Jokic. but let me run through some quick odds right now we are a tenth of the way through the NBA season, 10% through about seven, eight games, small sample size. Uh, but we're starting to see some things. Jokic right now, heavy favorite, plus 240, plus 260, depending on your book. Lucas in second at plus 430 and then Embiid and at plus 750, plus 850. And a guy that I'm pretty high on, I'm just going to throw his odds out there. It's Anthony Edwards. You can get him at plus 3,500 to plus 2,500, depending on what book you're on. Yeah, I want to run through the top three. I have some stuff on Jokic I think you'll enjoy. But sell me on Jokic as this season's MVP, and it's probably not a hard sell.
1: It's really not. I mean, anyone that's watching what he's doing right now knows the impact that he has. And I want to start by saying we know that the NBA MVP award is not – just most valuable player. Because if it were that way, you can make a case for guys like Tyrese Halliburton. You can make cases for guys like SGA. There's a lot of hidden gems in this league that if you're looking at value that they bring to their teams, it's not Mm -hmm. just the Jokic's, the Jason Tatums, the Joel Embiids. There's a lot of guys in this league that get overlooked for this award because we know it's not just about being the most valuable player. It's also a popularity contest. And so I think that we've seen Jokic now Should have been three in a row, but I digress. We'll save that for another conversation. Um, We've seen him now be so dominant for three years straight. And now you add in the fact that he's a part of a championship team. The MVP award to me has always been a popularity contest. It always has been. It always will be. And Jokic has become not only an excellent player, but a very likable guy in a lot of different ways. He's just playing a different and very unique style of basketball that we just don't see very often. And I actually yes. had a, a recent situation on Twitter where a Jokic fan account took one clip of something I said in a 20 minute interview. Mind you, this whole 20 minute interview was titled Jokic best player in the world over Steph Curry or something like that. So it was me yep. quite literally praising this man for 20 minutes straight. Well, of course, the only clip that got put out was the fact that I called Jokic's shot hideous, which If you are looking at Jokic from a true, aesthetically, it it is not a very, he does not have very pretty shots. And that is not me knocking his talent, his skill. Here's what I, here's what I always say about Jokic. His shot is ugly that is my personal opinion however that's what makes him so dangerous because teams don't know how to prepare for nikola jokic you don't know how to defend nikola jokic because he's playing a game that we just have not seen before so all of that to say i from a skill perspective absolutely love nikola jokic for many many reasons and i just think that he's playing a level of basketball that just can't be prepared for, can't be defended. I I mean, there really isn't, outside of, people love to talk about Dwight Howard, outside of him, there really isn't anyone that is slowing down or stopping Nikola Jokic. And I think that in itself is the reason why he is such a front runner to me. Steph Curry, obviously you could make a case for him as being one of, if not the best guard um, we've seen ever. He is exceptional what he does. And that's kind of the conversation I've seen mostly is Steph compared to Jokic. And I think that- Mm -hmm. Steph can be guarded um, in his game, not very consistently and not, you know, not very easily, I should say. However, Nikola Jokic to me is just in a league of his own. And I think something that I love a lot about Nikola Jokic is his ability to elevate every starting member of the Nuggets team when he's on the floor. It's not just about Jokic and the numbers that he's putting up. He is also elevating his entire team around him, which I think is super important. So for me, it's a no brainer to go with Jokic. Now, what I will say, Solidifies it right now in this moment, and why I think people should jump on it while they've got it at a plus two twenty. I think this will be even money before we know it. I would give it two three weeks. This this yep. will you will not get plus money for Nicole Jokic's MVP, and the reason I think that is because we don't have Jamal Murray for a month, and so Nicole Jokic is going to continue doing what he's doing on an even higher level because he doesn't have his go-to in the one-two punch of Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray's out four to five weeks with a hamstring injury. So this is the best time to me to take Nicole Jokic for MVP because I don't know if you're going to get it at plus money again, given the fact that Jamal Murray's not playing and Jokic is going to have to be that guy for the Nuggets, especially they've got a stretch of, I think, five, six games on the road. They've had home court Mm -hmm. advantage quite a bit to start their season. We know how Mm -hmm. dominant they are at home. Jokic is going to have to play even more exceptional ball as they hit the road without Jamal Murray. So now to me is the time to take him because I think it'll be even money odds before you know it.
0: No, I really have nothing to, to to push back there. I actually do agree. It should have been three straight last year with the MVPs, but it, it, it became a narrative award. And also, not enough of the public uh, really watched his game. He's a West Coast guy, West Coast team, mm-hmm. so you're not seeing those late games, you're not appreciating right. as much. Then they saw him in the finals, and I think a lot of the the voters went, oh, shit, we messed up. I mean, it's not a it's not a it's not a postseason award. It's a regular season award. But people, the the average fan, finally got to see Nikola Jokic in a postseason run, and I think they're starting to finally appreciate. Let's look at some actual figures from this season. They're eight and one. They're the best team in the West. They're tied for, or no, they are the best record in the NBA uh, Mm -hmm. with nine games played. 29.1 points per game, 8 assists, 12.9 total rebounds. His points right now, and it's a small sample size, career high in points, second highest rebound total, leads the NBA in two-point shooting percentage at 70%. He's shooting 70% from the field, excluding threes. He has a career high in field goal attempts. And now with Murray out, that four to five weeks that you mentioned, uh, I think the scoring is going to stay up. You'd have to, you'd probably worry if Murray was playing, is that going to come down to maybe 26, 27? No, it's probably going to stay close to that 30-point per game mark. Let's talk about some advanced metrics, which often go over the, the average person's head, but this is where it really stands out and gets scary. His career PER, he's at a career-high PER, player efficiency rating. Highest one ever, and he's already a two-time MVP. Career high in win shares per 48 minutes. Second highest box score plus minus. It's only trailing his MVP season two years ago and his second highest usage to his MVP season two years ago. Win shares per 48. It's an advanced stat. What the hell does that mean? It means how much does a player contribute to a given win on a per-game basis, 48 minutes in a game. It takes into account offensive and defensive efficiency and points produced. His total win share, is second to only Kareem Abdul Jabbar in 1971 72, when he had, when Kareem Abdul Jabbar had the uh, the best season of his career. He averaged 34 points, 16 and a half rebounds, four and a half assists in 44 minutes per game. Somehow, Nikola Jokic has gotten better. It doesn't make sense. It defies all <laughs> logic. And now he finally has the national branding behind him where people say he's a winner. I've seen his game. I I do think to to your point, it's plus two fifty, and with Murray being out, the numbers are only going to either stay consistent or go up. You're mm-hmm. probably not going to see this at plus money. I mm-hmm. mean, barring an injury or barring him sitting out the month of March because they've locked up the one seed, I, I we're heading in that direction. Um,
1: Absolutely, and and you know what? Here's the, here's the funniest part about it, and it really just blows my mind when he came back from Serbia. Before the season started, you know, the team reporters were asking him how he spent his summer. There was very little mention of basketball, which I think most people assumed. Most people assumed when he was when he would have rather gone to see his horses than go to the parade that this man was just ready to go home, celebrate, kick it with the family, go to horse yeah. races, do his thing. And so there was kind of a concern from Nuggets fans, but mostly non-Nuggets fans, at how little Jokic potentially picked up the basketball in the offseason. The fact that what we are seeing is nine games into a season where he should have a championship hangover is the most terrifying part because there has not been a season yet where Jokic has shown regression or been inconsistent. I mean, he gets better every game from what I can watch and what I see and the impact that he has on this Denver Nuggets team. He gets better every single game. So if I'm another player in this league and I'm not a Denver Nugget, Uh, I'm a little terrified at the fact that nine games into the season when he's supposed to be, you know, dusting off cobwebs from his summer and, you know, feeling some type of way after the hang or after the championship hangover, Mm -hmm. we're seeing none of that. And this Nuggets team as a whole is essentially picking up where they left off. And so I think that, yeah, Jokic to me, the the value of grabbing him at MVP is probably the best it's going to get right now. I think that it's just going to, you're just going to lose value on it the more he plays, which is a testament to who he is as a player. But if you want it for plus money, I think this is your one and only opportunity because with Jamal Murray out, he's just going to get that much more important and that much more valuable for the Nuggets as they hopefully continue to win games.
0: And before we go into the other two guys, because we have to make it a discussion, we're not going to make this a Jokic podcast. But before <laughs> we go into before we go into them, um, he's he's treading into some rare air. If he wins a second title, a back to back, it'll presumably come with the Finals MVP. Um, he'll have two Finals MVPs, two titles, three MVPs, and now you're talking about a guy who maybe he's inserting himself in the top ten players of all time. And we're, we're getting – when you look at the list of players in that win shares, in that PER, the guys up there are Wilt, Kareem, Jordan, LeBron, and then Nikola Jokic. And he has a couple of these seasons where the advanced metrics are just off the charts. So we're getting in that direction. It's heading in that direction where this guy – and the way his game is played, it's not based on athleticism. I mean, it's not – I'm not saying anything taboo here. He could play like this for the next five to seven years. Uh, and, and assuming that Denver keeps these pieces – Around him, I do have a slight concern about their bench. Losing Bruce Brown was a big, big is a big piece. He was a very big right. piece of that run. But Christian Braun is a is I think shaping up and making the most of his minutes. Can they get a couple? Can they get another level out of Michael Porter Jr. that we've been waiting on? Um,
1: and I think, I think they will. Possible.
0: I think it's. A, yeah. I do.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I, I'm glad you brought up the bench because that game against the Warriors team. Uh, I think that had the bench stepped up a little bit more, that would have been a more comfortable win by the Nuggets for sure. I mean, we saw Julian Strother have an excellent um, preseason. We we saw him putting up some really great numbers offensively. I think Peyton Watson is capable of being an exceptional two-way player. Mm -hmm. I think that he is a Bruce Brown um, with a little bit more size and a little more physicality, whereas Bruce Brown to me. He's one of one, and I knew watching him play last season in the postseason that we were going to lose him because I said he's getting paid, and I just don't know if the Nuggets can afford him right now. He is an incredible player. I actually cashed on a prop of his last night. I took him over points and rebounds. Um, oh had to do it. Yeah, had to do it. Points, we, rebounds. I was not start. his under.
0: This is complete coincidence. I was not. I was on his under because so the way I the way I handicap it and you were obviously right on this. Um it, it was 16 I got it at 16 and a half. I don't know if you got the 15 and a half. Pretty much half. I'll get I'll get to a guy's points and rebounds per minute or points and assists per minute. And right. then I'll try to project his minutes. If he played 30 minutes he's projecting at like 14 and a half, 15. So I felt comfortable playing the 16 and a half given the size of the Milwaukee bucks. I thought he was going to end up playing at the end.
1: Probably just absolutely screwed you a little bit.
0: The, well, no, he had five rebounds in the first quarter. I didn't know. I didn't know that Dame wasn't going to play. I had no idea he was injured, which is the nature of the NBA now, but I thought if he was playing Dame, he would be out on the perimeter more further away from the basket. It would limit his opportunities to rebound. Dame didn't play. He got campaigned in Malik Beasley and he was just sagging off the whole game. And he grabbed five yes. rebounds in the first quarter. And I'm like, yeah. All right, this this bet fucked and it was. So, <laughs> yeah. we, you know we- what
1: though? That's one of those I was literally just talking about this yesterday with props and with bets in general. Uh the over there's always still hope, you know? You watch the game and you're like, and even if you know like it's not happening, you're like, But there's still a chance like this could be one of those crazy two last, you know, two possessions. And he shoots a three each time, whatever. When the Mm -hmm. under is dead, it's dead. And it's like you just know it. And you can even tell first one quarter in. You're like, I took the under on the game. I took the under in the Pacers Bucks game because I figured they're on the both of these teams are on a back to back right now. Yeah yeah, no Damian Lillard. I think that they're going to be tired, which we saw them get very tired at the end of the game, but the Pacers just play at this pace. That is just so electric to watch. I actually compared them to the Detroit lions of the NBA, just the way that they have this excitement. They're highly offensive. They may not play super great defense, but they are just fun to watch. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so I, it's, it's funny because Bruce Brown cashed on him last night, but I, I watched him last night the same way I watched him with the Nuggets. He's just, he has a hustle uh, that is yeah. just very, very fun to watch. And I think that mm-hmm. it was a loss for the Nuggets for sure. But like I said, Peyton Watson, a lot of potential there as a two-way player. I think he can um, ease up AG's minutes. The more he gets comfortable and consistent, we can start seeing AG rest a little bit more, save his body for when the games really matter. Uh, but yeah, the bench has got to step up a little bit and I think they will. I do. I think they will. But I think the Warriors game is when we saw like, ooh, our bench could could use a little bit of of some more consistency here, especially offensively. Without Jamal Murray, that bench is going to have to step up and help out.
0: Well, I mean, lucky for Denver, when you get to the NBA playoffs, you play seven, you trust six. Who's going to be that sixth and seventh guy when we get to to April and May, and they have a whole season to figure it out. But we have to talk about other MVP candidates because they do exist besides Nikola Jokic, <laughs> um, Luka Doncic. Got to, got to throw yep. Luca's name in there. His name has been floated around for the last three seasons. He's plus 430, plus 450, depending where you're at. Second best team in the West are sitting at 6-2. and two. I actually really like where Dallas is going this season. The addition of Grant Williams looks mm-hmm. like it's been paying off. He's averaging mm-hmm. 31.5, 8.8 assists, 9.3 rebounds. Career high effective field goal percentage. Career high three-point percentage. On a career high 10.6 three-point attempts per game. So he's shooting the ball a lot better. Um, he showed up in shape. For a change, thanks to the the FIBA games, um, that helped him out a lot. His usage is down, which I actually think is a good thing, uh, and a career high uh, true shooting percentage. He's contributing defensively. He's still not a good defender, but he's he's making an effort. Um, and then we'll talk about Joel Embiid. He's plus seven fifty. Sixers. I actually think Joel Embiid is playing better basketball this year than last year. Believe it or not, Sixers best team in the East. They sit at six and one. Uh, He's 31.7 points per game, 10.9 rebounds, 5.9 assists, career-high in assists now that Harden's gone. Uh, 40% from three most field goal attempts per game so far in his career, most blocks per game, uh, and a career-high PER. I like what Nick Nurse has done to this team. I think it was addition by subtraction, getting rid of Harden. Um, And Embiid is – I think if somebody's like, oh, Embiid – deserves MVP consideration this year. If he didn't get it last year and and Jokic won three straight, I'd probably jump on the Embiid bandwagon this year because of sheer voter fatigue, but it's probably going to ping pong back to Jokic. Uh, And then I I, I just, honestly, I agree
1: with that a hundred percent. My feeling on Jokic is very simply, I'm sorry, on Embiid is very simply, he looks great. Um, I think that getting rid of, James Harden was the best thing for that 76ers team. It's so funny. The two mm. reasons you probably wouldn't back the 76ers in any given season in the playoffs is because of Rivers and Harden. Those two problems are gone. So to me, this 76ers team actually has a really great shot in the East. I actually love what they're doing right now. I think, I think Joel Embiid is in a really, really great position for an MVP this year. But I think because of the way that most people thought that the voters screwed up last season, that will be the reason that he doesn't get it. It's because, eh, you probably shouldn't have gotten it last year. You did. I don't think they want to make that same mistake. Yeah, we're not going to make that same mistake again, which is unfortunate because, honestly, I think he's – in a better position this season to win it than he was last season. But I don't think they will just from the, the sole fact of they did it last year and they got a lot of backlash for it. And it probably Mm -hmm. wasn't who deserved to get it. Um, I would say right now, if I've got three people I'm looking at for MVP, unfortunately I don't think it'll go to, uh, to Luca, although it may be deserved because I do think it's a popularity contest. And I just don't think enough people care about the Dallas Mavericks yet I say yet because I do think that I really like the direction that they're headed. Um, but I would say that if I'm going to put the, the the market, as I'm looking at the MVP market, if I'm not going to bet on Jokic, which I am, but if I had to pick outside of Jokic, I would either go Embiid or I would go Curry. I think that Steph Curry is in a really great spot as well, and I think his value right now is pretty great, and I do foresee the Warriors continuing to win and be a very competitive team in the West. I actually think that the game we saw the other night between the Nuggets and the Warriors was a Western Conference Finals preview, to be completely honest with you. So I think that if I had to put my money on a value play, I'm going to go Steph Curry. Now, you brought up Anthony Edwards. I actually love that. That's my my value play. I love that because, honestly, the Timberwolves, to me, um, to be able to – give the defending uh nba champions a a great matchup every time you see them to me that was the series last season in the playoffs that was the most difficult for the nuggets because of size because of anthony edwards uh that was a really tough matchup for the denver nuggets so that's a kind of a sleeper team for me in the west right now so i would not Mm -hmm. mind sprinkling on anthony edwards as an mvp candidate but to be honest i would go steph i would go edwards I would go and beat although I don't think it'll happen just because of what played out last year. I obviously think it's going to be Nikola Jokic, but there are some sneaky value values in there that I would I wouldn't yeah. mind sprinkling on.
0: You know, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves are sitting third in the West, but they're essentially tied with the Warriors. So you're, you're looking at Nuggets, Mavs, Timberwolves, Warriors. There are two teams in the West that are undefeated at home. One is your Denver Nuggets. The other is the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I think the Timberwolves, because we do talk about, um, we talk about it's a narrative. It's a narrative based story award. And yep. Anthony Edwards, his personality, his charisma. He goes, I, you know. Overtime, Jason Tatum, I'm locking him up. I got five fouls, dude. I play defense. Why are you calling me out? And then he goes on a tear in, in overtime. So
1: sorry, um, my dog's an idiot.
0: No, no worries. It, <laughs> okay. happens. it happens. It's a it's a good it's a very it's a good audio clip because Anthony Edwards is a dog. Ha ha. There you, know you
1: go. Look at that. He he, he knew. He I'm, heard us talking. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony Edwards is I'm getting a dog. good at, at this. Live <laughs>
0: I'm getting good at this. Let's let's talk. let's let's pivot uh we could talk about nba all day i want to talk about nfl we are in week 10 and the way this show goes is i usually i run through two or three picks some guys that i'm high on as far as straight plays and then i talk big on alt lines and then we'll segue into our touchdowns guy i'm really high on this week drake london atlanta falcons wide receiver this is going to be his first full game with taylor heineke at quarterback now last week london was out then he he played uh he got half a game with Taylor Heineke two weeks ago when Desmond Ritter got knocked out. I don't think Desmond Ritter is coming back the rest of the season. Uh Heineke is able, really able uh to move the football for this Atlanta Falcons offense. That's what they need. Now, Heineke last week, to show how much trust Arthur Smith has in him, they threw the ball 38 times. He threw for 268 yards. As far as this number, it's 45 and a half for London. He's hit this in five of seven games gets an Arizona Cardinals defense allowing uh 13.2 yards per reception. That's eighth most in the NFL to opposing wide receivers and six wide receiver ones have hit this line against the Cardinals. Now, Murray's coming back. Um even if he does light it up offensively, that actually works well for this prop because they can go back and forth, we can get a higher scoring affair, but London at 45 and a half seems low. Feels like this line should be around 50, maybe 51 and a half. So I'm playing the 45. I'm playing his alt line of 75 plus yards at plus 320. Uh, I just lo- I want to see Drake London with a quarterback who's not named Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. I think it ends up working out well for him. I like that. So I like that London London's a first uh, first play for me this weekend. One I'm very, very high on the other one is the return of Aaron Jones, green Bay Packers running back. Mm-hmm. Now two weeks ago, Two weeks ago before, or I shouldn't even say two weeks ago, a week ago before the Rams game, Matt LaFleur said, he's looked good in practice, I'm ready to cut him loose. What did that result in? Well, he played uh, season high in snaps, 57%. He had 20 rush attempts. His largest workload We're getting Aaron Jones back that we're used to seeing. Now, the last time he looked this healthy was week one. He scored a touchdown in week one. He scored a touchdown last week. I don't think that's a coincidence. Now, he's not playing the Rams this week. I'm not going to pound my chest for my Rams over here. But they're a damn good defense, at least in the front seven. Now, he gets an easier opponent this week in the Pittsburgh Steelers. They allowed the second most rush attempts per game to opposing running backs. This is essentially 13 carries. At his four yards per carry, his over-under is 52.5. Can he get four yards per carry? I think he can. His career average is is just about five. So I love over 12.5 rush attempts if you're feeling froggy with the juice. I love over 52 and a half rushing yards. And again, that alt line, I'm going to play 75 plus yards at plus
1: 265. Love it. And, and it's plus money. So you had me at yeah. plus money, honestly. <laughs> you got
0: to live. I'm telling you, you got to start dabbling in the ladder. So if you like the guy at his main line, then you jump him up to 75 yards. You put, you know, you bring the unit size down, you go up to a hundred yards, you bring the unit size down. We've had a lot of success with that this year. It's, it's a fun like way it. because. A lot of these sports books, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna badmouth your employer, but these odds have gotten crushed. These touchdown odds aren't what they used to be. I used to be able to get, you know, Derrick Henry at plus 150. Gone. Used to get Christian McCaffrey yeah. at even money. It's minus 250. Yeah. I'm not playing that. So I had to go the other way.
1: I like it. I like it.
0: Let's talk tutties. There's a guy you're high on. We talked about Arthur Smith. Sell me on Bijan, who is awesome and not. He's awesome. He lived up to the hype, but we want more of him and Arthur Smith won't give it to him. Give it to us.
1: Well, yeah, you're right. And honestly, as I was looking at his numbers, I was kind of like, dang, you know, he had such an explosive start to his season. Um, And then we kind of I'm not saying he hasn't been playing great because in terms of yards on the season, he has the most yards out of the running backs on the Falcons roster right now. But in terms of getting in the end zone, it kind of feels like it just hasn't been as seamless as I thought it would be after his, his debut as a rookie was, like jaw on the ground. I'm like, this guy is mm-hmm. him. He is going to be easy money every game to get in the end zone. And then we kind of didn't really see that, but he is facing a Cardinals team that does struggle against the run right now. They have given up the third most, oh, I'm sorry, the fourth most touchdowns to opposing running backs. Now you go back and forth between him and Tyler and you're kind of like, uh I don't really know how to feel. But then I also look at what the Cardinals have done in terms of receiving yards uh, to opposing running backs. And they struggle in that department as well. They have actually given up. Let me see here. On the season. Um, They've given up four receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs. And when you look at the difference Mm -hmm. between Bijan and Tyler, I feel like he's a little bit more, I don't want to say diverse, but he's utilized a little bit more in this offense, both with Mm -hmm. receptions as well as with rushing attempts. So I like him in the end zone this game. It just feels really good. I think because the Cardinals struggle against the run and Bijan, you've got two great options for running back on this Falcons team. It's a run heavy offense, which makes it a little bit Mm -hmm. difficult. But then you look at the fact that the Cardinals also give up quite a few targets and receptions to opposing running backs, and it made me go with Bijan over Tyler. So I'm going to back Bijan in this game to get in the end zone. It just feels right. It's one of those where I'm like, and of course, now I'm going to be watching the game. I'm sure Tyler will score first, and then I'll be sitting there wanting to just die and melt. Um, But I do really think because of the fact that we're seeing a lot of running backs do well in the passing game and the rushing game against this Cardinals team, it makes me go Robinson over Tyler. So I'm going to back Robinson in this one to get in the end zone. Fingers crossed.
0: Well, I bet him the last two weeks. So I'm glad it's you, not me this week, but I'll I'll probably (laughs) still. You know what's so funny?
1: Every time I bet somebody for for an Anytime Touchdown, I get a lot of responses. They're like, screw this guy. It was Dalton Schultz last week, who was another guy that I'll talk about again this week. But last week, I had a bunch of people being like, don't do it. He burned me last week. He didn't do what he needed to do. And then he showed up for me last week. So I do feel like sometimes I'm a little behind on players, but it typically works out for me because they've burned everybody else. I give them another shot because they haven't burned me yet. And then that's when they finally decide to show up. So I'm hoping it's the same thing with Bijan this week.
0: No, I dig it. I'm going to probably, we're, we're going to put together a parlay at the end of this that I'll tweet out to everybody. Maybe we'll give some money away when it hits. So uh, I, I forgot to give you the breakdown. We have top shelf touchdown scores. This is your Grey Goose. This is your, you know, this is your Casamigos. These are your good ones. You put you spend money on these. Then we go down to the mid-shelf. This is your Jack Daniels, your Johnny Walker, and then Well Vodka is just what it sounds like. So for our top shelf, we got Bijan uh, and myself is Aaron Jones. I got him at plus 187 on Bet365. You could chop That's this around. Awesome. It's plus 140, plus 150. I already mentioned my little sound bite. He hasn't looked this good since week one or last week. He's healthy. The healthiest he's been all season. Both of those games he scored, and I think he's in for another big workload against the Steelers. So Aaron Jones uh, and Bijan Robinson, two guys you should bet this week in touchdown scores. Let's go to the mid-shelf. You got some Dalton Schultz. I got a guy over on the Seattle Seahawks. I don't mind talking about this Houston Texans offense because I got some some future money on C.J. Stroud on Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's going to help pay for Christmas.
1: Speaking of a dog. I need my dog to start barking again because CJ Stroud is him and I have loved watching him play this season. It's so funny. I see your pick here for this mid shelf and I really love it. It was one that I looked at myself um, based on the way that uh, the Seahawks, who are they taking on? Based on the way the commanders defend or do not defend uh, receivers very well at all. I really did look at Jackson Smith. I was torn between two guys on that roster. I'm sure you know exactly who I was torn between, but I looked at Jackson Smith and Jigba and I said, ooh, that feels good this week so I love that you have that uh Dalton Schultz I had him last week and for whatever reason taking players back to back weeks you're like it's too good to be true there's no way you can do it for me twice but honest to goodness I really really like this play for the sole fact of there's a couple reasons why the Bengals against tight ends I really like the spot that Dalton Schultz is in this week against this Bengals team Um, Mm -hmm. And not only that, but then you've also got Nico Collins not practicing Thursday, not practicing today. So there's a lot of opportunities for Dalton Schultz to be the go-to guy for Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud. And like I said, uh, if you're a numbers person, in terms of tight ends, uh, on the season right now, the Bengals have given up the second most touchdowns to opposing tight ends at four. Uh, There's a few teams at four, a couple teams at five, but at four, and in terms of yards on the season that they've given up to tight ends, they're at 475, right? Or I'm sorry, 531 right now. So I think they're third or fourth there in yards per game. uh, I'm sorry, yards on the season to opposing tight ends. So I really like this position for Dalton Schultz, especially considering when you look at um, the receiver's, for this um, Texans team, and I look at receivers because C.J. Stroud knows how to throw the ball. Uh, he's playing exceptional right now. I mean, you could look at the rushing, the rushing yards, uh, mm-hmm. and you could say, oh, a guy like you know Pierce could get in the end zone, whatever. But. I don't think that C.J. Stroud is slowing down his arm anytime soon. And like I said, uh, you've got Collins leading on this Houston team at 631 yards this season, but he did not practice Thursday. He did not practice today with a calf injury. And so the next guy on the list is Dalton Schultz, who's had 350 yards this season and four touchdowns. So I just think that he is in a great spot against this Bengals team. It's a great matchup for him. And I don't think C.J. Stroud is slowing down the passing game anytime soon. So I like him to at least get to Schultz a couple times and hopefully result in a touchdown for Schultz. I bet it last week it hit, so I do have those nerves of can he do it two weeks in a row for me? I don't know, but I love it, so I'm going to back it. So I got Schultz in the end zone this week.
0: You, you, know, you, you made a good point. You kind of have to look at everything as an individual incident. You know, this week mm-hmm. is this week. Last week, throw it out the window. It's gone. Does he have a good matchup yep. this week? Is he going to get the red zone targets? They may increase with Nico Collins. Is he going to be slinging it against Joe Burrow? Is the Cincinnati Bengals one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now? Yes. All of these lead to a high-scoring game. So I don't blame you on Schultz. And we're getting it at over 2-1. to Um, We already touched on a little bit Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm picking on the commander's defense, just like you said, 13 touchdowns to 13 receiving touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. It's the worst in the NFL. As far as Smith and Jigba, he scored in two of the last three weeks. He's seen a significant snap increase over each of the last four weeks. If I'm betting guys, you got to be on the field. That's what we're seeing from this uh, rookie wide receiver who's starting to, to move up the pecking order. Has he taken yep. out, you know, has he displaced uh, Metcalf or Lockett? No, but they're just going to run more wide, three wide receiver sets to get this guy in the field. So our mid-shelf is two guys at it, ballpark two and a half to one. And now I got I to gotta tell you about my well vodka. I'm more excited for this one than any other guy. Ty Chandler is the backup running back for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, unfortunately, Cam Akers tore his other Achilles. He has a jersey hanging up in my room.
1: I mean, just uh, that's the most just like horrible thing ever. You just hate to see that with someone who just can't stay healthy. It's just horrible.
0: It's a shame. I mean, he when he did come back the first time, he was the quickest recovery, I think, in sports history to come back from an Achilles tendon tear. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is on his heels, no pun intended, to, to beat that. Um, yeah, but, sure. this, but this week, Ty Chandler. So I was reading some, um, I was reading some reports this week out of Vikings camp and both head coach, Kevin O'Connell, offensive coordinator, Wes Phillips, both said, expect more Ty Chandler this week. As far as Kevin O'Connell went as far to say is Ty will be more involved, assume more of that cam Akers role. Now that cam Akers role, it's about five to seven carries a game, possibly one to two receptions. Doing, you know, doing my research on this guy. He actually holds up well in pass protection. He's a little bit explosive. This is a second year guy. They picked up Acres because well, uh, Chandler was inconsistent. The talent's there, but he's mm-hmm. inconsistent. Now I think mm-hmm. he's going to get an opportunity. If it's five to seven carries, if it's thirty percent of the snaps, I'm getting plus one thousand on a guy that may score. So I love I like this. It. If you're looking, the this, value is, this is is your delicious. F- it's well vodka prices. So don't, this is yeah. happy hour, you know, three, four <laughs> bucks on this, but I think it's worth the sprinkle as a guy who's going to be on the field in a scoring position. So these touchdown scores for the week live before we wrap up, uh, is there anything you want to plug anything you got going on? You want to talk about?
1: No, just, uh, you know, we've got some things in the works. Hopefully they'll get ironed out here soon. Um, So Just follow me on all things social at live moods for the next announcement and just lots of content and picks and I'll continue to put out NBA picks. I'm so pissed off at James Harden right now. I can't even speak about it because I had him for a double double he was too re- he he kept taking freaking shots that he knew he wasn't going to make instead of i don't know facilitating and maybe getting some rebounds. He was I bet on him to have a double double at like plus 3 yeah. something um yeah. on the same night that I had Aaron Gordon PRA against the Warriors. So I, I'm irritated with him because the double double was greatly priced. He was two rebounds short just, you know, it one of those things. But we will continue to do yeah. NBA props as well as NFL yeah. props. I just need to get over my irritation with James Harden in the meantime, but (laughs) until then, yeah, I mean, we'll just be betting and hopefully making some money on, I'm I'm definitely favoring the prop market at the moment, which, you know, uh, if you've, if anyone's been following me for the last two and a half, three years, props have kind of been my favorite thing to bet on. So we're kind of Mm -hmm. back in that world, really prioritizing the prop market, which I love and i know you also love given your uh your username and your brand and your show but yeah i'm I'm definitely loving the prop market both in the nba and the nfl right now so we're gonna keep cranking out bets for both of those and um yeah hopefully an announcement will be coming soon on on what's next for live moods
0: that's awesome that's awesome i can't thank you enough for doing the show um obviously best of luck and everything going forward we are going to continue watching you are you are one of the more genuine um, and just quality content creators as far as, as sports so betting much. goes. Like, male, female, it does not matter. You are one of the better ones out there. Um, I thank can't you. thank you enough. Um, make sure you follow her at Liv L-I-V-M-O-O-D-S, one of FanDuel Sportsbooks' best. Guys, best of luck on your bets this week, and thank you for watching. Take care.
1: See ya.